Hi, I'm Dakota, mama of four, blogger and creator of the Sage Cottage Collection. Join me as I share with you my passion for living a slow and intentional life. We'll talk about natural living, homesteading, motherhood, from scratch cooking, and so much more. So get cozy, grab your favorite drink, and let's dive in. Hey mamas, welcome back to the Restful Mama podcast. Uh, Today I got to sit down with my friend, Dr. Heather Rhodes. She is a holistic pharmacist with a passion for women's health. She makes understanding your hormones simple and teaches you practical steps for maintaining hormone balance. Her natural approach to healing creates lasting results and symptom relief specifically for PCOS, PMS, acne, and fertility. She's a CrossFit instructor, ice cream addict, toddler mom, and adoption advocate. This was such an important episode, I feel like, because we all have hormones and they can easily be disrupted. So she gives some really good practical tips on how to naturally balance your hormones and um, just her own story. And it's just, it's so good. So get ready because here we go. Um, Welcome, first of all, to the podcast. And do you mind telling the listeners who you are and kind of what you're about? Yeah, definitely. So my name is Dr. Heather Rhodes. I am what I like to term a holistic pharmacist. And so I was traditionally trained as a pharmacist in a clinical setting. And once I became the patient myself, big gap when it comes to women's healthcare and giving us the answers we need, teaching us how to work with our bodies, teaching us how our bodies work. And I found that the confusion and kind of the like, I don't know, almost like dismissal of women and women's hormones was something I just was not on board with. And so, like I mentioned, I was the patient at the time. And I thought, you know, if this is something that I'm not getting answers to, but I know it matters and it's important, I'm going to go figure out the answers. And so I went back to school for natural medicine. And that is where um, I really decided like, okay, every single woman needs to know these pieces about how her body works so that she can experience the healing that I then was able to, because I wasn't necessarily just dependent on somebody else telling me exactly what to do or how to fix all the problems or, you know, telling me that everything was linked to my weight or I was making things up in my head. Like, I think that once I realized, wow, like the body works in such a unique and like beautiful way. And we just have to know how to work with that system. It became really clear to me that my mission was going to be to make sure as many women as possible had this information and knew how to use it. Journey. Typically, it's not just like, oh, I don't feel good and it sucks. Like usually, especially (laughs) as moms, like we're losing time with our kiddos. We're not able to be as patient as we want to be. Our intentionality decreases. And so... I mean, truly like who we are and who we are being almost has this little like dark cloud around it. And if I can lift that for any mom, like think about what that changes. It changes our friendships, our marriages, our, you know, children. And so I just think that like, it's such a bigger message when it comes to women understanding how to work with their bodies. Right. No, I completely agree. And so was, was you being the patient and and seeing it from the other side, sort of like the catalyst that really pushed you into this whole world of natural living, do you think? 
Yeah, I think it was two things. So the first was that, so I had a really unique position in pharmacy. So like most people, when they think of pharmacy, they think like, oh, the person behind the counter at CVS. And (laughs) while I had done that, I had experience doing that. I did a residency after pharmacy school, which is clinical training, very similar to like how medical doctors do residencies. And um, I worked in primary care. So what that meant was anytime you went to see your doctor, you would have a visit with me first and we would go over your medications, how you're, you're, you know, if somebody had issues with, I specialized in diabetes. Um, but if somebody had issues with like high blood pressure, high cholesterol, weight management, diabetes, um, osteoporosis, like they would meet with me first and we'd see how they were doing, how their symptoms were progressing or improving. And then we'd look at their meds and just say like, okay, do we need to make any adjustments? And a lot of what I did there was education around like lifestyle shifts. And so I had this really interesting piece when I was working specifically in diabetes and I had, my patients were coming off of their insulin and that's a good thing. Like it's not great to be on a time kind of healing this part of their condition. And I had a supervisor come to me and say like, Hey, you know, you're not prescribing enough of this medication. And I was like, yeah, but my patients are getting better. (laughs) Like I don't (laughs) want to give them the medication if I know we can fix it in a different way. And then I kind of realized that metrics were playing a really big role and that, you know, if so many, you know, prescriptions weren't written and that changes our ordering capacity, which changes the discount that we get on all of the medications, those facility orders. And it became about kind of the money instead of the patient outcomes. And so it's interesting because healthcare is shifting to be a little bit more outcome focused where doctor's offices and facilities are getting rewarded for their patients getting better, but that still kind of holds this balance of, but we still need to make sure we're prescribing and, you know, utilizing medications in a specific way. And I don't think there's anything wrong with that until we get to the place where there are patients that want answers and they don't want to be on the medications and they want to get better. And they're simply just kind of a victim to the system because there's not a lot of time, people, or capacity for them to learn. Um, and so there's so much education that goes into, okay, well, this is how your body works and this is how you can eat. And I think we're moving there as, you know, a healthcare system, but the way it's been set up right now, it just does not facilitate that. And so when I realized, Hey, my patients want to get better and they don't know how that was kind of the first piece for me. And then the second one was definitely when I became the patient and had my own questions and nobody was educating me or helping me. And I was getting brushed off and these like really annoying answers that didn't make sense. (laughs) Um, And then I would say the third thing was I, when I was working in that same facility, I was talking to some of the providers about PCOS and hormones, and they just had no idea what I was talking about. And these are like very well-trained, educated doctors. And I was like, what do you mean? Um, So I did an in-service, which is where, you know, the pharmacist kind of holds an educational class for all of the providers. And it was about hormones and PCOS and fertility and how it all works. And I walked out of there and they were all like, we've never learned this stuff. Like we're not taught this. Like we're just taught if hormones are a problem, you give them birth control and you manipulate the birth control. And, you know, like we're just, we're told that if they have PCOS, you do this lab and then tell them, you know, send them to nutrition. And I was like, oh my gosh, like, no, there's so much we can do. And these women can feel better and you can see them improve in all these additional ways. And so they said, would you be willing to kind of like 
offer some of your appointment times for hormones and PCOS? And I was like, yeah, of course. Well, I very quickly went from a clinic that was zero hormone and PCOS patients to 60 plus in like a couple weeks. And this was a pretty small facility. And that's when I realized too, like, oh, wow, there's a gap. Like if the doctors aren't even getting the education they need to help the patients feel better, then there's probably 50 thousand more facilities like this one that don't have someone like me teaching these patients what they need to know. And I knew my reach would be much bigger um, right. doing it virtually and, and kind of offering these services directly to the patient where I wasn't necessarily tied to some of the pharmaceutical regulations. <laughs> right, right. Well, and that's sort of worrying to like think that these doctors as the patient, you know, as just like the regular person, you think I'm going to go to this doctor and they're going to have all the answers and they're going to tell me what's wrong with me and I'm going to leave feeling better. But the fact that, you know, you're saying these doctors don't even know what they don't know, then how, how are the patients going to get help if they don't have somebody like you? So that's just wild to me. So just basically since you were saying that like doctors don't even know a lot about hormones, let's just start from the basics. Like what, are hormones and like, why should we care about them? Why are they important? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I do just want to add like this caveat that these were also really good doctors that I was working with. I wasn't with like the, you know, I know there's bad doctors out there, but I was with the good ones. And I think you hit it perfectly when you said like, they didn't know what they didn't know. And so I think that's really important as women to just remember this perspective of like being in the medical field being in the medical profession, doctors in general do not hold the same role that they traditionally used to even one or two generations before us. Right. So previously, doctors utilized experience and they were doing their own research and they were reading research. And like, it was a very um, intricate, into <laughs> my words, um, <laughs> intricate relationship yeah. with the doctor. So they, you know, like think about how our grandparents went to the doctor. Right. And how much they trusted them. And I think what happened was we kind of industrialized the system. We brought in technology. We did all of these things that took away the doctor's ability to know as much, to know as much about us, to have that personal relationship, to even learn. Cause now the only thing a doctor can learn is what's placed in front of them as certified. And so then we have to think about, well, what gets determined if it's certified or not? And I would say Mm -hmm. nine out of 10 things are pharmaceutical companies saying that this is good. This is structured the right way. We paid for it to show what we wanted. So this is what the doctors know. So it's not to villainize doctors because they're truly trying to help and they have that desire. It's to look at the objectivity of the system and see that money is driving it. And a lot of the rules and even what doctors are taught are being handed to them from pharmaceutical companies who have a very high monetary gain from that being the case. Um, Even as far as the textbooks in medical schools are being written and published by pharmaceutical companies. In any other field, that would be a conflict of interest, right? But just again, I think it's important for us to know and kind of just like have that transparency. So all that being said, yes, there are amazing doctors out there and we can love them and trust them, but still know there might be a gap just in the way that the system as a whole works. Yes. I think like you were saying, it's more of an issue with the system as a whole versus like the individual doctors, because like I said before, they don't know what they don't know and what they're being taught is 
from the system, the big pharma and all that stuff. So exactly. Yeah. And I think like the only way to really have like healing and the health that you want and the health you deserve moving forward, um, you know, in life, like as a society even is going to be for us to become educated consumers of the healthcare system. Absolutely. Um, and so that leads us to our next question. I'm like, okay, well, what are your hormones? Like, what are they? What, what, why do they matter? All of that. So I will start at like the most basic level. You have tons of hormones in your body that do lots of different things. Hormones are simply messengers. So I think of them as little cars that just go from place to place and send signals. So you have your car that starts in your brain and it sends a signal to the lungs or the ovaries or the heart, right? It just travels down this little path, sends a signal. Once it gets there, the heart says, oh, cool, thanks. The brain says that we need to do this. So it does it. Um, so that's kind of like what hormones are at like the most basic level. When we traditionally think of hormones though, as females, we think of our female hormones and these are called our right. sex hormones. And so we technically have three primary sex hormones. So that would be estrogen, progesterone, and testosterone. So as a woman, you do make testosterone. Which is it's funny. I feel like a lot of women are shocked by that. Yeah. Like, wait, what? Yeah. <laughs> Isn't that yeah. like muscle man, like gym, like, ah, yeah. I can, you know. I am man and, you know, yes, exactly. It's, it's so funny that, um, we actually do produce testosterone, which I, yeah. I didn't know until learning more from you. So <laughs> that's yes, I love crazy it. So, to me. Yeah. And it's interesting too, because I think sometimes we think of these as separate entities, but in order to make estrogen, you have to have testosterone. So testosterone is actually what our hormones start out as before it gets turned into estrogen. That's and so, so when people think about having imbalances with their hormones, we look at your levels really of all three. So those are like your primary sex hormones. You have some secondary ones, which are just smaller ones that show up at specific parts in your menstrual cycle, just to like get a little bit of a job done. And then they go away. Yeah. Um, and then you also have other hormones that play a role. So as a hormone, your thyroid hormones, your stress hormones, like cortisol, they all talk to these sex hormones. And that's how your body kind of functions day in and day out. It's, it's, it's getting all these messages and deciding, okay, whose message is the strongest? Whose is the loudest? Are we getting what we need from the brain? Are we able to carry out this message? So when it comes to like hormone production, you need two things to make any of these hormones. You need to the primary organ that makes them that says, Hey, make the hormone. So that would in this case be your ovaries. So your brain has to send a signal to your ovaries. that says, Hey, you need to make some progesterone. You need to make some estrogen. And then you have to have the ingredients, which means that the things hormones are made important. And so most hormones are, they all start really as, let me rephrase this. Most of your sex hormones will start as um, kind of like a cholesterol molecule. And so yeah. So you need healthy amounts of fats to be able for your body to be able to take those fats, turn them into cholesterol, break down the cholesterol through a bunch of different processes and turn them into sex hormones. Um, so when we think about that, it's like, okay, cool. That's one ingredient. Another ingredient you need is your cells have to be fueled to be able to carry out these activities. So you'll right. hear me saying like, you're making things, you're breaking things down. Those are all things that require work and energy from your cells. And right. so- we sometimes forget, oh, in order to make a hormone, my body has to have enough energy to do that. So then we think about, well, what is energy to the body? A lot of times it's calories, it's minerals, it's things like sodium and potassium and calcium that create electrical currents 
that then create energy that allow ourselves to carry out tasks. So I did go a little bit deeper into like biochemistry than I wanted to, but I think it matters because we sometimes forget that, hey, what you eat every single day is the only way your body is able to do all of these things. Um, right. And I think and that's actually, of, yeah, go ahead. No, sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off, but when I'm, I'm, as you're speaking, I'm thinking of all of these trends and fad diets and things that these women are doing in an effort to either lose weight or, um, quote unquote, like be healthier. And it seems very like countercultural, like, Hey, eat more fats instead of like the low fat fad and, you know, Hey, eat more carbs and calories. And, (laughs) you know, like you need energy in order to support your hormones. And so I'm wondering if all of these fad diets and, you know, um, sometimes essentially starving ourselves is what's causing these hormone imbalances and issues. Yeah. So it's definitely that it's a double-edged sword. I think it's that paired with the increased stress on our bodies that like our culture Mm. just has, like, it's not necessarily that everybody's running around just stressed out all the time, like mentally stressed out, but our bodies are under an immense amount of stress. Even if you're the most chillest person in the world, who's just like constantly, you know, walking around, not caring about anything. Yeah. Your body is still under stress. If you live in our modern society, like there's no way it's not. Um, And it's just simply because our bodies were designed to thrive in an environment that's not industrialized. It doesn't have blue lights. It's not living in concrete technology driven boxes. Like our bodies are designed to live in dirt and grass. (laughs) um, Right. (laughs) You know, and the other piece of that is just with the change in how, even if you're eating perfectly, quote unquote, there is no perfect way to eat. But even if you are, there's been some changes in our food sourcing. So a vegetable today has totally different nutrients and minerals, like I was just talking about, to fuel your cells than a carrot you got out of your backyard, our grandparents got out of their backyard, you know, 50 years ago. Right. Because those have different content. The soil was different. They were grown different. Um, Right. Typically, they were even conducive of preventing the allergies you may experience because it was the soil and the grass from your local environment. So just kind of thinking about these changes, it's like, oh, okay. So maybe even if I don't feel like I'm stressed, there are some stressors that are depleting my body. And then we take that scenario and we kind of double down on it by saying, well, the things that you do eat need to solely be driven by your body being XYZ weight or XYZ size. Um, And then that just like, like I said, it double downs on our restriction, it, the deprivation. And so I think most women run around with their bodies really being in this state of just like begging for support and nobody teaches them how to do it. And right. And then you go to the, even the doctor and they're like, Oh, if you lost weight, it would be better. (laughs) It's like, Oh, that's the last (laughs) thing your body needs. Um, and really what we're talking about with this is kind of all summarized into is metabolism. And we've lit, we live in a society that consistently slows down our metabolism. That's what diets are. Um, most of them. And then that's what stress hormones do. And I think there's just kind of this ignorance. Your body works like a system, like a, you know, well-oiled machine, Right. And we're just not supporting that. We're just every day, we're like turning the machine down, 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 but then <laughs> asking the machine to do more and more and more. And it's like, 
hey, that's not going to work. <laughs> right. And so that's why a lot of people are chronically sick, low energy, and we're seeing issues with so many different pieces, especially I even think like thyroid, thyroid hormones are, yes. what sets this, they are your metabolism. And like the new statistics are 70% of people are experiencing thyroid disorders. That's insane. Well, and I can say personally, like I was one of those people, like I, mm-hmm. right after my twins were born, um, I just felt so sick. Everything felt off. I was like, I do not feel like myself. What is going on? And they're like, oh, you have um, hyperthyroidism. And I was like, wait, what? Like, I don't even know what that means. <laughs> I've never even heard of this. And yeah. I, I, over the years, I had bounced from one extreme to the other. And thankfully, I can say that I have like naturally healed my thyroid. So now I'm not dealing with that yeah. right now, which is kind of amazing. But um, yeah, it it's, it's just crazy how it just kind of is like you said, like the thermostat for metabolism in our body. Yeah. And that in and of itself too, is so commendable because I think most people for no fault of their own, if they went to the doctor and they were like, Oh yeah, I have a thyroid issue. They'd be like, okay, well you just have to take thyroid meds the rest of your life. Good luck. Yes. Well, Um, yeah. And that's exactly what they told me. And so I, but I sort of like challenged that idea and I was like, Hmm, there's got to be another way. Like there's got to be another way other than me being on this medication that makes me feel awful (laughs) for the rest of my life. And so that's actually a big part of what led me to find you in the first place. Like a couple years ago was me just being so frustrated and like, I refuse to be on this junk. Like I want to (laughs) heal my body, like the root cause of it. And I just felt like these medications were just like this band aid to quote unquote, keep things stable because my labs would be normal, but I would still feel like crap. Yeah, exactly. Oh man. I see that so often. And so I do think it just speaks to as well of like what I think truly. And I mean, this is what I do in my practice and what I teach is let's like go one layer deeper. So if the doctor's saying, Hey, it's your thyroid, let's take this medicine to fix it. I'm thinking, Hey, what happened to your thyroid? Like, let's just, let's just get curious. I think if you can ask why to like every and any question, (laughs) um, it's going to lead you in a direction that I think is going to set you up for understanding more. And that's the thing I tell my clients too, is like, Hey, even if, you know, after three, six months, you do use, utilize the thyroid meds. Do you know how much more you are going to know about your body and how much more you are going to be able to go into those conversations and those discussions and the management of those meds and understand the side effects in a totally different way? Um, Yeah. yeah, And I think some people aren't like sold on like, well, I don't care. I'll just let the doctor figure it out. Like it's not a huge deal to me. But every single – if I learned anything in my four years of pharmacy school, is that every single medication has a list of side effects. And the yeah. reason it has side effects is because every single part of our body communicates. And so when you manipulate one area, you are always influencing another. And that's where root cause medicine comes in with this unique perspective of, okay, something's already messed up here and it's affecting all these other areas. What if we just fixed that? Like, what if we just go in and fix like the one puzzle piece that's kind of crooked and like, pinched its way up and just like flatten it down and get it back in the whole picture versus, all right, let's just make a new puzzle and add some more pieces over here. Like, no, it's not going to (laughs) work. Yeah. Yeah. And so, and because the whole body is this one machine that communicates 
you know, to each part of itself. What are some of the signs of like hormone imbalances? Like how would we know that that's something that would indicate that our hormones might be um, needing support? Yeah. Yeah. So like I just kind of mentioned everything, if you're a female, anything that's going on for you, your hormones are being affected by. So just kind of understanding that. But when I think of the big things that go on with hormones, especially for females, I am thinking a little bit more in congruency with your menstrual cycles. So those are more obvious kind of things going on. So if you're having, um, you know, issues with heavy periods, with irregular periods, maybe your period has disappeared and you're not having one. um, Those are kind of like our primary pieces that I'm thinking about. And then the next thing would be if you're having symptoms that are cyclical, meaning like, Hey, you have rage every month and it's around the same time. Every month you have acne every month around the same time you have mood swings and irritability. You're completely exhausted. Those are typically things that I'm like, Oh yeah, that's hormones. Um, and then there's some things that I know are influenced by hormones and hormones influence. So they kind of have this symbiotic relationship and those are going to be things like the thyroid, your gut health, um, indicators of issues with gut health. So sometimes that even expands into things like eczema and psoriasis or um, like dermatitis, like those types of things that are really linking to the gut. Um, Those can have a huge influence and be influenced by hormones as well. Interesting. So Um, I'm actually glad that you mentioned the gut because this has been like a new journey for me as far as like my own gut health and like healing and all of that. But so our hormones, you were saying like they can affect gut health or like they work in a symbiotic relationship. So how, how can, like, how do they affect each other? So like, I'm guessing if you have gut dysbiosis, that means that your hormones are out of whack and vice versa, right? Yeah. So really everything starts in your gut. So our gut is responsible for like 85% of our um, immune system. So like all of our immune players, our immunity, that type of thing. So I think it's just important to know like, hey, everything starts with the gut. And this is really where metabolism comes in part too, because the gut is the first place your body gets nutrients. And so if your gut's disrupted and it's not able to get nutrients well, then we're kind of scaling back to this whole conversation we had at the very beginning about energy and your body having enough cholesterol and your body having enough minerals. Um, So it's all coming back to your metabolism. And the very first anchoring piece of metabolism is the gut. And then I'd say next is the liver. So Mm. when we think about your question specifically of like, okay, well, how does the gut influence hormones? Well, certain bacteria in your gut actually produce hormones and help hormones to be broken down. So we have bacteria in our gut that produce GABA. GABA is a neurotransmitter that works primarily in our brain that helps to calm down our stress system. It calms down our um, nervous system. It helps us fall asleep easier. So I'm thinking, Hey, if there's a disruption in the gut, you don't have the bacteria you need to make GABA. You don't have a ton of GABA. You may now be experiencing issues with your sleep, which can start affecting everything from mental health to gut health, to your body's ability to detox, because most of your detoxing happens overnight while you're sleeping. You can then also see issues with your mood because you're like, your body doesn't have what it needs to calm down. So it thinks that it's in a very stressful, like vulnerable state. So you're heightened being analytical, being defensive, being raging, impatient, like all of that is because your body's truly missing what it needs to kind of calm it down and tell it that it's safe. Um, you have specific bacteria in your gut that are responsible for breaking down estrogen. 
And so if you don't have enough of those bacteria, then estrogen will build up and high amounts of estrogen can create issues like brain fog, fatigue, low libido, weight gain. It can destabilize your blood sugar. And once your blood sugar is not stable, that can increase your stress hormones and Anytime we get those stress hormones up, nothing in the body works as well as it should. Right. Um, yeah. It also, you know, creates certain bacteria that help to make and break down vitamins. So like the only place you can get um, your body can receive and absorb vitamin K2 is in the gut. So if you don't have gut bacteria that are doing that, then you're going to be deficient in something like, you know, those vitamins that are required or conversions of other things like neurotransmitters right. and hormones. So a great example is um, we have to have adequate amounts of B6 and copper to convert our neurotransmitters in our brain. So things like dopamine and serotonin. So we've actually seen in some studies recently where people that are experiencing issues with serotonin and dopamine levels. So these are things all the way from schizophrenia and bipolar to depression and, um, you know, hallucinations, right. You're leaving those types of symptoms back to if your body is absorbing and producing things like B6 and copper. And wow. so when you think about how intricately like your gut plays a role in how everything's allowed to function, it's huge. I mean, imagine if it was like, if your whole body, okay. So I'm a little bit obsessed with the office. So <laughs> if your whole body like was the office, you know, that in order for everybody to show up at work every day, they have to get paid. And so you look at like, okay, well, where's the money? Like who's signing the paychecks? If I'm talking about your body, it's your gut. Your gut is signing the paychecks. If they aren't there doing their job and not showing up, nobody else is, is coming to work that day. Right. Um, so that's where everything, you know, is coming from. So it, your gut definitely plays a role in skin, that, hormones, everything. Yeah. That is so interesting. And so a, a, a while back you mentioned like a buildup in estrogen and would that be what is considered estrogen dominance? I've heard a lot about this yeah. on Instagram lately. Like everybody mm -hmm. seems to be talking about estrogen dominance. And so is that kind of what you were referring to with that buildup in estrogen? Yes. So that's what it's most commonly recognized as is estrogen dominance. I believe that the term estrogen dominance makes it sound like your body is making estrogen in a dominant way, right? Like it's just making more estrogen, right? but it's not, it's more so what's happening is what, you know, we just talked about. It's more so that your body is making fine amounts of estrogen. The estrogen just isn't leaving the body appropriately. So okay. now you've got the newly made estrogen plus the estrogen that hasn't left. So you've got too much estrogen. That's what makes it dominant. And um, how, how would yeah. somebody know if they may have estrogen dominance or, or, you know, not, I guess, detoxing that estrogen, estrogen. properly? Yeah. yeah. And there's, a, I mean, and there is such a thing as estrogen dominance where people are um, potentially overproducing it or where they're absorbing a lot of things that hit the estrogen receptors from their environment. Mm -hmm. So like those things are definitely possible too. It's not always just this scenario, but right. when I think about someone having too much estrogen activity, usually they're going to have, um, symptoms like, I think I mentioned earlier, brain fog, fatigue, cravings, potentially like weight gain around their midsection, um, noticing like 
either hypo or hyperglycemia. So just meaning like your sugar is kind of off. So people that like get super hungry really fast and they have to eat within like the next second. Well, eat something and they can almost feel their blood sugar go high and then drop again. Like somebody who's kind of like knowing like, oh my gosh, I'm very, very sensitive to, to blood sugar. Mm -hmm. Um, those can be signs of estrogen dominance. And then usually what is even further, like one layer deeper than estrogen dominance is a progesterone deficiency. And so the reason for that is because progesterone's job is to help regulate, um, estrogen levels. And so if you don't have enough progesterone to kind of compensate for these higher levels of estrogen, wherever they're coming from then you can, it, they, the symptoms usually go hand in hand. And so, yeah, when I think about low progesterone, then we have symptoms that can sometimes look like, um, like short cycles that, you know, are closer to like 24, 25 days, lots of PMS and irritability prior to their period starting. Um, typically like insomnia, hair loss. Like we usually see kind of like this maraud of things that show up when progesterone is too low. The other thing that I know sometimes is a telltale sign of high estrogen activity is, um, when somebody's having symptoms, both at ovulation and when their period is about to start. So most of us are familiar with PMS where we feel like irritable and kind of like you know, snappy and fatigued. And we're just like, we might get headaches a couple of days. <laughs> right. before our so that usually is because your estrogen and progesterone are dropping together. And if you're having symptoms like that, it means that you don't have enough progesterone to help that drop become like just lighter, easier, more tolerable. So if you're having these same types of symptoms around ovulation, so mid cycle, you're noticing you're getting headaches, cravings, irritability. It's almost like you have this like double whammy or you have spotting around mid cycle. That's a sign that again, your estrogen is possibly peaking too high. So when it starts to decrease, you feel horrible. Um, yeah, yeah. And then the other piece of this is that if you have long cycles, so you're not ovulating regularly or on time, you are most likely going through multiple estrogen peaks all month. And that can show up like estrogen dominance too. And that's usually what's at the root of issues with PCOS. Right. And and so I'm curious, because um, you mentioned like mid-cycle symptoms. So what hormones would be involved, I guess, if somebody's experiencing like ovulation pain or um, like symptoms around ovulation where they're like, uncomfortable and it feels maybe painful or, um, something like that. Like, are those, are they the same hormones that would be responsible for that as well? Yeah. Yeah. So let me go back and this will be fun too, to just kind of under, like, I'm just going to do a quick overview of how the menstrual cycle works in general. Yeah. Let's do it. (laughs) Okay. Perfect. Start out. Um, let's say day one, which is the first day of bleeding, all your hormones are kind of at a zero. Like you're not really making hormones for 72 hours around that 72 hour mark. Your body starts saying like, okay, let's get ready for the next cycle. So it will first start making estrogen. So your body will make estrogen and estrogen will rise and it will peak right before ovulation. And it is actually that estrogen peak that signals the body to make another hormone called LH that comes in, tells the egg to leave, you know, to drop, to leave the sac and then LH goes away. So it literally just, it's like a little messenger 
estrogen reaches a threshold, almost like if you thought of it like a doorbell, like estrogen has to be like, has to jump up high enough to touch the doorbell. As soon as it hits the doorbell, LH comes and opens the door, pushes out the egg and then closes the door and goes back inside. Right. (laughs) Right. So that's kind of how ovulation works. And then um, after that, the estrogen level should decline and then they go back down fairly low. But as that estrogen starts declining, progesterone should be showing up. Progesterone is only made the second half of your cycle after that egg has left. Um, And what happens is your egg actually lives in this little sac called the corpus luteum. And once Mm -hmm. the egg is released, that little sac kind of turns into like a mini organ and it's a temporary organ. So think of it like a heart sitting on your ovaries, like your heart that pumps out blood. It's now sitting on your ovaries, pumping out progesterone. And so as long as well, regardless of if you get pregnant, that little heart starts pumping out progesterone. And then if you're pregnant, it keeps pumping it out at higher and higher levels until the placenta takes over about 12 weeks into conception or after, you know, about 16 days, ideally there's no more progesterone left in that little heart stops pumping it out. And that signals your lining to shed because you weren't pregnant. So that's kind of how, you know, first half works egg gets released, the body starts releasing progesterone. While progesterone is high, when progesterone takes a peak around day 21, if you have a traditional 28-day cycle, um, estrogen takes this little tiny mini peak alongside of it. And then they both start declining together. And as long as you're not pregnant, they drop low enough to signal for the uterine lining to shed. And that's what your period is. Right. So when we think about the hormones that are involved with that mid-cycle kind of ovulation issue, it's usually that your estrogen is peaking to touch the doorbell, you know, to, to get LH to show up and drop out an egg, but that once it hits that peak, either number one, your body can't clear it fast enough, so it just stays too high for too long, or number two, it drops too quickly, or number three, it drops too quickly showing up to help mitigate the symptoms. And oh. so when somebody's having mid, uh, like mid cycle kind of symptoms, I'm traditionally thinking like, okay, I think your estrogen might be peak or your body's having trouble getting enough estrogen to peak, to reach the doorbell. So like it's jumping, it's jumping, it's jumping, but it doesn't actually hit the doorbell to get somebody to come to the door and release the <laughs> egg. Right. And that can feel like really frustrating because your estrogen is going like high, low, high, low, high, low. And anytime our body gets used to a level of a hormone and then we take that away, it's like, oh, dang, like help. We're losing something we need. And the cool thing is that when this is working in a balanced way, progesterone shows up. So you don't have those symptoms. It's like, no, 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 I'm here. You're good. But if you don't have enough progesterone, because the egg never got released, then it's like, hi, we feel good. And then it drops and you're like, oh my gosh, I feel horrible. And then it goes high again. And then it drops again. And it's just like, can you guys make up your mind? Because this feels right. um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And that's what, you know, if somebody's not ovulating until, you know, around day like 36 or 37, people are having like 40, 45, 60 day right. cycle. Um, then you could definitely be experiencing this a couple times a month before your egg actually releases. Oh man. Yeah. That's crazy. Um, yeah. Cause I, I know I've had so many friends who have, you know, they'll say, Oh yeah, I have like a regular 28 day cycle, but then, you know, they'll talk about 
all of their symptoms or some people, um, some friends of mine have like rage around when they're going to start their period and on their period. And then I have some friends who like will randomly spot in the middle of their cycle or some who are like in excruciating pain when they ovulate. Like there's so many, um, things going on and yet everybody's told like, well, it's just normal. Like, oh, it's just, yeah, Mm -hmm. it's just normal. Um, (laughs) you know, it's, you're, yeah, you're level. Yeah, you're fine. Like, it's just, you know, PMS is normal. And I feel like, you know, people like you are challenging that idea. Like, no, that's not normal. And it doesn't have to be that way. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Exactly. And that's the thing, you know, just taking us full circle to what we talked about before. Like, if you don't know how all of this works, then it can feel like, yeah, this is just how it's always worked for me. Right. I think that like, then you just start to feel like it's normal. And I think so many women walk around with hormone imbalances that they just kind of like accept it's not normal. Uh, I'm I'm sorry, that it is normal. Right. And still they realize like, oh, you mean like I could have energy all day? Like (laughs) I could, you know, not just be so ragey before my period comes. And if somebody's having, you know, what you described of like, I'm so moody, I've got rage. Like, I just don't even recognize my reactions and my responses before my period comes. The very first thing I'm thinking is like, oh, they just need more progesterone. Because the best yeah. thing about progesterone is that its job is to help your body regulate estrogen. So like you, you don't have to worry about all the ins and outs that I'm talking about with estrogen. If your body is making an and so then right. we're like, okay, cool. How do I make more progesterone? Um, and the cool thing too is that progesterone will decrease stress hormones as well. So right. remember what I said earlier about if your body's functioning in the presence of stress hormones, nobody's functioning well because there's too much stress, right? It would be like, mm-hmm. again, going back to my example of the office, if the fire alarm was on and you had to like get a job done, you're not going to yeah. be able to do a good job because there's a fire alarm on and like you can't right. <laughs> Right. That is how every single part of your body feels when you have too many stress hormones. Your liver's not working well. Your heart's not working well. Your brain's not working well. Like nothing is working well. And then that's all feeding off of each other. And everybody's just kind of doing like a half job. Nobody's actually getting anything done. (laughs) So we feel that. Um, So you can get more progesterone. Those stress hormones will decrease. And that is how you work with your body because while you're intentionally trying to lower your stress, your body is also lowering your stress hormone production. So you're really kind of on the same page. Um, This is why I focus so heavily on teaching the girls in our program how to make more progesterone because I'm like, hey, this is the quickest place to enter into this process right? and let the body work for you so that you don't have to work as hard. Um, And so that will help with having more energy. It will help with your gut functioning better help with liver being broken down more effectively. It will help with mood swings and skin. I mean, so many things. So that's kind of like my, when I think about like, okay, Heather, you just said a lot of things that could maybe (laughs) feel a little um, sad because you're like, she made it sound like everything's horrible. It's Mm -hmm. not. Your body works so well. And when it has enough of what it needs, you can feel so differently it's just that you have to know how to how to give it more of what it needs. And that's a right. really simple process when you're ready for it. But if you are just kind of like searching for answers and the doctors are just giving you like all – like telling you to lose weight, telling you what's made up in your head, like telling you birth control is the only fix, then right. – I think it's so easy to stay stuck. And so I'm here to say like, no, 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 girl. Like if you're ready, you can do this and it can be way easier than you think. So what – 
what are some ways that we can like naturally support our hormones instead of just jumping to birth control or, you know, like those examples that you were mentioning earlier? Yeah. Yeah. So, and I think like just to hit on like birth control and losing weight and some of those things I just mentioned, they are not actually fixing the problem, right? Because yeah. If you're just trying to lose weight, you're just going to mess up your metabolism. And then we've got a deeper problem than we started with. And if you go on birth control, the reason your hormones were imbalanced is not being fixed. You're just turning the whole system off. You're just literally like walking in, shutting off the lights and being like, I'll deal with this mess later. Um, like rather than cleaning your room, you're just like, oh, I'll just turn the light off and pretend it looks good. <laughs> pretend so, it doesn't exist. <laughs> exactly. That's kind of what birth control is doing. And it's not, again, it's not a bad option for some people. It's just, I want people to know like what they're truly choosing. Um, and so, okay. So then going back to your question of like, okay, well, how do we naturally support this? What do we do? I would say the very first thing is number one, understanding it, understanding the signals your body gives you, how your body talks to you, your body gives you free information about your hormone levels literally every single day. And so I like to see this utilizing BBT. So basal body temp tracking Mm -hmm. because it's free. It's easy. And it can show you where your metabolism is at. It can show you if your body is attempting ovulation. It can show you if your estrogen is peaking too high. It can show you if your progesterone is showing up and how well. You get all of this without ever having to spend a dime. Um, That's amazing. Like all from the temperature. Yeah. Yeah. And I think people get afraid of temp charting because it feels like, well, I have to wake up at the same time every morning and I'm a mom and I never do that. That's not true. Do is now when the way most of us were taught basal body temp tracking, if you've ever heard of it, is usually for fertility or to avoid conception. If right. you're using it to avoid conception, yeah, you probably need to be as accurate as all of the documentation says. But if you're using it as like to see and understand your body more, to look for trends, then you're going to be able to see so much, even if you're not perfect with it, even if you miss a couple of days, even if you wake up at different times every day. Like it does mm-hmm. not have to be, trust me, I am like a very, um, I think you do Enneagram. I'm a one nine. So like I have this side of me that's like, I'm doing nothing that is hard and not effective. <laughs> like yeah. I'm very much like, yeah, I'm not going to worry about stuff that is not important. And so I avoided temp tracking for so long because I was like, I just can't do it. It seems overwhelming. Like that seems dumb. And I'm like, that was the craziest thing because now I teach it to everybody and it's this amazing tool they all love. So I would say that's like your first spot. Um, And then you can use that information to figure out, okay, where could I add some support? And so for a lot of the girls that I work with, we will focus on specifically sending your body new signals. And so when you give your brain a new signal, what I'm meaning is like, okay, we need to tell the brain that it is safe and has consistent resources. So at the same time that we're giving the brain consistent resources, we're also replenishing our nutrient stores so that the brain and, or I'm sorry, so that the body can take those nutrients and use them as energy to make hormones. So we're really like killing multiple birds with one stone when I teach it in a way that's like, it's very effective and works for you. So sometimes for some of my girls, like that just looks like, Hey, let's eat breakfast. <laughs> like, let's yeah. just tell your body that you have food available and let's start there. And so it's different for everybody. Um, even inside of our group coaching program, we really tailor it to where you're at and the signals your body's been getting. So if your body's been told that, Hey, you know, you live in a really stressful environment. There's no food sources. There's no carbs around. And it's shifted the way it's doing everything in response to that signal. I'm going to teach you how to give your body a new signal so that it will shift back into balance. Um, So that's kind of like my first overarching piece. And I would say my second piece of advice would be to learn how to intentionally lower stress 
hormones. Mm. And that is again, because you've got that fire alarm and everything in your body will work better if you can turn that fire alarm off. And so it doesn't just mean like, Hey, um, just think about being a little less stressed and then everything in your body will feel better. (laughs) I truly mean, give your body the safety and the new signals to lower stress hormone production. So sometimes that looks like, um, breathing techniques. Sometimes that looks like phone hours and boundaries. Sometimes, um, that looks like getting in a pattern. So consistently sending your body a signal to turn off cortisol. So your fight or flight system, um, And stabilizing blood sugar, making sure the body has enough nutrients. So those are some of like the big things that I will focus on if somebody's like, okay, I have no idea what to do, but I know my hormones are in a mess. Right. I'm gonna say the very first things that you can focus on is uh, let me let me give us some practical tips in addition to what I just said. So I would say like my very first thoughts are you've got to be eating enough. You've got to be eating enough consistently. Um, we really, I love looking, like taking a peek into metabolism and just seeing a little bit, like, is your metabolism being supported to work faster or are you restricting and turning it down? Um, those are like some big ones. So sometimes, you know, for most moms, it looks like, okay, wake up and eat breakfast or maybe add some healthy fats and protein to your breakfast. So for example, if you wake up and just grab a bowl of your kid's cereal, all right, let's add a healthy fat to that. Perfect. Let's use canned coconut milk instead of regular milk. Let's add some protein to that. Great. Let's heat up some slices of bacon or let's throw some collagen into that bowl of cereal. Um, It can be really easy solutions where you don't have to change much. You're already making these decisions. You're already doing these things. We're just shifting them in the smallest way so that your brain gets a new signal and starts doing things differently. And I think as moms, we can like unintentionally be sending the wrong messages to our body. Like we're so busy, we're running around, we forgot to eat. And before we know it, it's like 4 p.m. And we're like, did I eat lunch or breakfast today? Like, you know, like you're running around and it's almost, and sometimes it's not even intentional. Sometimes you just like don't remember. And so you really have to make and carve out that time to remind yourself like, Hey, I need to nourish my body. And that way I'm sending the correct signals to my hormones instead of just like depriving yourself. And then your body freaks out thinking, Oh my gosh, we're not getting the resources that we need. Um, and I, and I think personally that was my problem was just running around and I'm like forgetting to eat. And I'm like, wait a minute, why am I starving? And now I'm cranky and like, I'm snapping at my kids, like what's going on. And then I realized, Oh, I didn't eat anything today. (laughs) That could probably be why. Yeah. And I think sometimes we think like, I just don't have time. I don't have time to eat before, you know, I've got to take care of all my kids, like all of that stuff. And I think sometimes we forget like, no, 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 like you would be more effective if you did take that time. And I also, I think a lot of times two pieces happen. One is that I don't think moms know those exact simple like shifts that they can make and which ones are going to give them the most bang for their buck. So that's why we teach them. And that's also why we customize them so that we can meet you in your season versus you feeling like, you know, you have to go and like come up with a new plan and do all of these things that just don't really work for you and your family. I think about how many times I like started over with Whole30 and went and bought all new groceries and all new recipes and like try to do everything different. And it was just such a fail. Um, And I think that's what we feel like. I think as moms, like we just don't understand how simple and easy it could be because nobody's telling us that. Um, And then I think the other piece to it, I tell moms a lot. I'm like, listen, you would never send your kid to school without 
food. Like if I said, okay, like, mm-hmm. you know, it's yeah. time for Dakota to go to school today and <laughs> she's going to be there from eight to two, but we're not going to pack her any food because she's not going to have time to eat. You would be like, no, I'm not right. sitting in there. <laughs> what do you mean? Like, these are all the things that are going to happen to her. And I'm like, yeah, that is what's happening in your body too. You're not getting those same signals because your body stopped giving them to you after it realized that you weren't going to help it. And so you think you're doing fine. You don't think that's the problem, but really it's all still happening. And it is all still what is creating kind of the chaos. It's actually stealing from you and your motherhood and your children. Right. And, and you mentioned, um, whole 30 a minute ago and, I'm, and I, and I know I mentioned this before about like diets and, and whatnot, but I'm, I'm curious, like what your thoughts are on, on those kinds of diets and fad things that people are doing in order to like try to lose weight and like why maybe they don't work or how they might be more harmful than good. Um, yeah. because I just, yeah, I have so many questions about diet. <laughs> because yeah. I feel no, like that makes sense. I think a lot of us do because, again, like we've really been living in this world where we were taught that our weight is the determinant of our health. And so it's all about the filter, right? Like the glasses you have on. Um, And so if the glasses that got put on all of us at nine and 10 years old was, okay, you've got to eat in a way that's going to keep you thin um, or keep you a certain size, then we decide that that's the superior way of eating. That's clean eating. That's healthy eating. Healthy eating is not like, again, it all just depends the glasses you have on what's healthy for staying thin is not necessarily what's healthy for making good hormones, for staying fertile, for keeping your metabolism running well for a body that has plenty of energy. So when, as a society, we've accepted that the healthiest way of eating is the most low calorie, um, the most, you know, thin producing. So like producing thin bodies, then that's kind of what we shame ourselves into believing because it's the belief that's so deep rooted in us. Like that's healthy. Whereas really it's not true. Um, I have clients all the time that are like, yeah, I'm going to, I know I need to clean up my diet. I just need to eat more clean to balance my hormones. And I'm like, no, no, no. Like clean eating can actually create more dysfunction in your body um, than not. So if you're somebody who, you know, your gut is disrupted and you've got a bunch of hormone symptoms because of that, and you feel like you need to be eating more veggies and more salads, and you're decreasing your fat content, then you're actually pushing your body further into a slowed metabolism and a lack of hormone production. Um, I see this a lot with like, I don't like salads. I know this is so weird, but like spinach and kale, everybody just thinks is like the healthiest food ever. And it's so interesting because they have such little nutrient density, which means like it would take 12 cups of kale to equal the same amounts of nutrients or fuel for your body as one ounce of an organ meat. So something like liver or kidneys or whatever, right? We don't really eat those things anymore, but it's just so interesting to me that like you have yeah. this thing over here that could, it's like a magic pill for your body. And right. it, you know, we just don't think that it's as healthy, maybe because it's a higher fat content or it's more saturated or whatever. It's not necessarily a thinning food that's going to bulk up your stomach so that you feel full but it's right. more fuel for your body. So we fill our these greens that make our stomach feel big and huge and require our body to work really, really hard to get a tiny little bit of vitamins and nutrients out of them. 
and and it all it does is kind of fake us into staying thin. Um, yeah. and, and I'm so glad you brought up the whole greens thing because, like you said, everybody's like kale smoothies and <laughs> all oh these gosh, greens yeah. are so great for you. And in reality, yeah. like if you have gut dysbiosis or you have gut issues, like it can make it worse because worse. it's yeah. so hard on your gut versus like you said, an organ meat or um, like fat rich foods, which are way yeah. easier for our bodies to digest. So I'm so glad that you brought that up. But um, I'm, I just want to ask real quick before we wrap everything up, but do you have any like last tips or comments or anything that you feel might be helpful to women who are kind of struggling with this? Yeah, definitely. I would say, you know, the first thing that I would recommend is feeling comfortable, like sharing and talking about it. Because I think sometimes, you know, I do believe that we're probably like the first generation, maybe the second where there is not like a hush hush around talking about these things. And I think that's really important. I think it's a really important thing to continue instilling in our kids. Like, no, no, no. Like, these are good things to talk about. And that's how we get answers. And that's how the system as a whole has to start changing when we start asking the right questions and kind of demanding this type of information. So I think that's number one. I think the next one would definitely be like, really give yourself some grace and begin thinking about your relationship with your body as a whole, because your body, you are so intuitive as a woman, our hormones actually make us intuitive. Um, and a lot of times we are taught at a very young age to suppress that intuition and that like, well, we don't really know enough. So our opinion shouldn't matter. So we should just trust the experts. And hopefully right. even what we talked about in the beginning helps you to understand that like, yes, they are experts because they spend a lot of time learning, but who fueled that learning? It might not be someone you agree with. It might not yes. be a corporation you agree with. And right. so that being said, you are always going to be the expert on your own body. Always. Mm-hmm. Um, listening and learning, that's really important. And one thing I help all my clients with that I just encourage anyone listening to try is spending some time, like just in silence, like connecting your mind and your thoughts to your body. And sometimes we move really, really fast in our society and we don't take the time to really think about like, well, how do I feel? Well, where do I feel that in my body? Well, right. I put a color to that. Could I identify what's going on? And the reason that that makes a difference when it comes to your hormones and your hormone balance is because when you are working with your body, when we are reestablishing that connection, it actually helps everything to work better because hormones are sending signals. So if you're really good at sending signals and listening to signals, it helps your hormones to reestablish balance versus again, living in a society where it's like, well, I think this is what's going on, but I'm not going to listen to it. And I'm super disconnected from my body. I'm going to, you know, my story is I controlled it for so long with, I have to eat this amount of food. I have to eat these things. I have to weigh this Mm -hmm. way. I have to work out this much. And none of it was actually paying attention to what my body needed. It was just checking things off and following the list of my way of controlling it. Um, right. And so if you're in that place, give yourself a ton of grace and know that like, Hey, it's not your fault. You're feeling like that, but also that you can start practicing and it feels uncomfortable in the beginning, but you can get really good at listening to your body and it could guide you to exactly what it needs next. Yeah. I think that's so great. Yeah. Um, and so one last thing, <laughs> um, mm-hmm. I asked this, these two questions to everybody who comes on this podcast. Um, but the first one is, what is something that you're loving right now? And it doesn't have to do, I mean, it doesn't have to do with like hormones or anything that we're, yeah. we've talked about. It can literally be anything, but what is something that you're just loving right now? 
That's a good question. Oh my gosh. <laughs> I feel like I have the worst answer in the world. <laughs> um, can I say bachelor? I've, I've literally had people <laughs> say like lip gloss. Like it, it could be anything. Oh, like, did you not hear? Oh, so I said, I think right now it's actually in paradise. Like the most oh, worst, classiest so show ever. <laughs> I love that. You know, sometimes you just have to have those like, you know, guilty pleasures where it's like, you know, it's trash, but you just, you love it. I know. Yeah. I would say like, that would be like my first one. I would say my next thing I did the color theory, um, not that long ago. And so I've really liked playing around with like, now I know my color season and I'm playing around with new clothes in my wardrobe and wearing different colors and my makeup. And I lived my whole life thinking I was warm toned just because I have dark hair and dark eyes. And I'm actually cool toned. And so it changed like everything about my jewelry to my makeup to my closet. That's and that's so really fun. funny. Yeah, I did that too. Um, and I, I was sort what of season you? like, I was a, a summer. Oh, me too. Yeah. I was like, wait, really? <laughs> yes, um, but yeah, it was like a, I can't remember. It was like a more like pastel, like a, there was a. Mm-hmm name yeah, for it so like, like there's colors? different like, categories in summer but like I can't remember which yeah. one it was oh yeah yeah yeah. so there's like a pastel summer yeah I or like a watercolor summer um yeah so like so what smoky rose muted and blue maybe is like the words that describe summers so yes um, I had like a lot of like, greens and like earth tones is how I would describe it like yeah uh, like greens and blues and yeah. So anyways, that's so funny. I had, yeah, it was, it was interesting. It really did make a difference in my closet too. I was like, oh, wow. <laughs> I have all these colors that I thought were like, you know, my colors. And then I got my colors done and I was like, oh, okay. That makes sense. <laughs> yes. Yes. I love it. So yeah, I would say that's where I'm at right now. Colors, Bachelor in Paradise, probably like that. From a hormone perspective, I'm reading a book about biochemistry that I kind of hit on today about like how the body yeah. makes serotonin and what's at the root of things like schizophrenia and bipolar. And it's just so mind blowing. It's so That's good. so interesting. Well, yeah. the next one is what is one way that you're implementing rest into your daily routine? Ooh, that's a good one. Um, I would say mine right now, I've been doing a lot of grounding, which is I'll just take off my shoes and go walk around in dirt in the back or front yard. Um, and that's actually how our body again, like absorbs minerals. It can even help with allergies sometimes because again, you're absorbing those like specific, um, just, you know, bacteria and stuff that are in your environment and we have really good weather right now. So the sun has been amazing. Sometimes I'll go sit outside on my back porch. Um, so yeah, I'd say that I've also probably we've been doing a decent amount of vacations lately too. So both like a micro and macro scale of rest. Yeah, no, I love that. And I love like you, how you mentioned, like just letting your feet interact with the soil. And I think in our society, we forget to do that. Like everything is so sterilized. Everything is so clean and organized that we really don't get out in nature as much as we're biologically designed to. So yeah, I yeah. that you're doing that. I probably need to start doing that. <laughs> That's a good idea. <laughs> I love it. Well, thank you so much for doing this with me. Um, where can people find you if they want to learn more from you? Or I know you have so many courses. I myself have done a few of them, which they're amazing, by the way, y'all, <laughs> if you want to do that. Um, but where can they get in touch with you? 
Yeah. So I, um, it's, I'm most active over on Instagram. So mm-hmm. you can just follow me at Dr. Heather Rhodes, just Dr. Heather R H O D E S. Um, and then I'm, you know, right there in DMs answering questions. I love hearing about your story, where you're at, what brought you over to our page. Um, and then, uh, I have a website, www.drheatherroads.com. And I'd say that's it. I mean, I've dabbled in the TikToky world, but I'm I can't get on Instagram first. <laughs> yeah, no, Instagram is like my thing. I can't get on board with the whole TikTok thing. It's just I can't I do. It, but <laughs> I, I'm um, with you. I hear you. Yeah. Okay. Well, thank you so much for spending all this time talking about these amazing and like honestly life changing. <laughs> Thing, yeah, our hormones. I really appreciate it. And we're going to have to do this again sometime. This was we so will, fun. We will. It was so good. Thanks, girl. Okay. Yeah. Thanks. Talk to you later. Bye. Hey, y'all. Thank y'all so much for listening to this podcast episode. Um, I feel like it was just so good and chock full of so much good information. Um, as always, if you feel led, please leave a rating or review. It really helps the podcast out. And I can't wait to see y'all next week.